0: Hey there and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as a sit down with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests as we talk about all the things that empower you to become your best, most confident self so you can step boldly into who you were created to be, the confident woman. Let's go. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. Today we have with us Monica Mazur. I, I was Teasing Monica earlier, I said, how do you say your name? And she says it's so perfect in her beautiful accent. So I said it very Americanized. So she's going to say it better. But anyway, Monica has a background in journalism. She is a student from she came to the US as a student from Poland, Uh, She worked all the way through as a nanny in the U.S. She's a former fitness competitor, a boutique fitness studio owner, and finally, the founder of BBM, an online fitness and life coaching platform, as well as a podcaster. Over the last 14 years, she's assisted hundreds of high achievers in mastering their mindset and fitness so that their life performance increased with ease. Her goal is to help you take your life to levels you've never thought possible. She will empower you in a way that's simple, effective, loving, but also straightforward and no nonsense. So Monica, welcome. And for those that are like, so how do you say it? Can you pronounce your last name?
1: It is Mazura. However, I never say it this way. It's just Monica Abazur. That's it. I've made it Americanized. It's in fact, it's not even Monica. It's Monika. So oh, I had <laughs> but, it. Yeah. I had it so Americanized. From the beginning. We make it easy. We make it easy.
0: Oh, but you say it so beautifully. I love your accent. And uh, I presume that's still, you know, you got the heavy Polish accent still coming here
1: and you've been in the States for how long? It's been 18 years now. It's been 18 years in September. And it's hard to believe because it's almost half of my conscious life. I lived in Poland until I was 21. And then I came here by myself at 21. And so now 18 years later, um, you know, 21 there, 18 here. Crazy to believe that it's been that long. Wow. And so what, what brought you to the U.S.? You know, I think originally it was the idea that I did not want a predictable life. I knew that the route in Poland will be quite similar to all my friends and even my parents. And that is going to college, getting education. I started that. I did journalism and communications and uh, meeting someone, getting married, having kids and probably at 27, 28. So by 30, you're kind of like living through your kids. Nothing wrong with that, but I didn't want it. It was just too predictable. It was just too kind of obvious, like, this is going to be the route. It's kind of like you have to to just fill out the shoes. And so I took the opportunity after I was dumped, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Um, And I was like, all right, well, I'm single now. I can come. And so I filled out all the documents to be an au pair. And so I didn't want to do it in a stupid way. I wanted to have a plan. And so to have a family, to watch their kids and to work and to learn the language, and accidentally, I ended up in Boston. I fell in love with Boston. I lived there for, I think, 12 or 13 years before moving to Connecticut, where I am now. Um, but it was hard work, and it was not what I anticipated. I thought, this is going to be this beautiful, you know, life. You're just going with kids to the playground, and you're having fun. And in reality, it was a lot of work. I took care of three little kids. Um twins who were three years old at the time and a five-year-old, so it was a lot of work. Um, I didn't really have time to go to school uh, per promise of the program. So it was tough from the beginning. I had to switch families and it was, you know, the language barrier, you mentioned the accent. So the accent and like the immigrant language struggle kind of followed me for years, even after I became a trainer. Um, So it was tough. It was really, really tough, but I'm the kind of person who, I don't like baby steps for myself. I used to be very shy. And so what I did is I worked as a hostess back in Poland because I knew that I'm going to have to speak with people. I'm going to have to put myself in that position. Um, I remember talking to my then host family but when I was still in Poland I was hiding in my room in the closet in Poland because I didn't want anyone to hear me speaking English because I was like oh I'm so so bad my parents my brother I didn't want my family to hear me so yeah some believe in that kind of shock therapy for myself like you you're scared to drive go to Manhattan <laughs> you are afraid to public you know public speaking is not your thing Go in public, speak as much as you can, because then you realize that your comfort zone, yes, you might be freaking out, but you realize very quickly how your comfort zone can expand as you push yourself.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. So you just like went all in. You just jumped into the deep end. No, no toe dipping. No, like wading in. You're just like, this is the plan. This is what I don't want. And you just took that big leap and said, this is the next plan. If I go to the States, I'm going all in, I'm going to the big city. I'm going to learn to drive. I'm going to speak in front of people. I am going to do all the hard work. And now here you are 18 years later in the States and you have such, you know, a, such achievements you know from from all the things all the successes and you really knew what you wanted to go after not necessarily knowing the specifics of it but you knew you wanted something better a higher quality of life and here you are now 18 years later in the States, running and owning your own uh, boutique fitness studio to founding your own uh, online fitness and life coaching platform to all the things that you've done with helping hundreds of, of individuals just create the life that they want. And so you are like a walking testament to, to what you do. Um, yeah. So tell, tell us more about that, like how you got started in the fitness
1: space Um, So I want to just correct one thing in case my listeners are listening. I closed the studio in 2020. So I like went through the fitness competitor studio and happily closed it to move online when when the pandemic started. It was the best thing ever because it like forced me to redirect when I was already kind of like, okay, I'm maxed out here. So that's just to to be uh, like on point with everything. So how I started, you know, is... I hired a male trainer in 2009 or so. I was going to the gym. my My background is not fitness at all. It was journalism. I was writing, reading languages. That was my jam, not fitness. I didn't like sweating. I didn't like anything to do with PE. I did not actually... Do any gym activities in Poland ever. So, like, my gym teacher would be like, What the heck, Monica? Um, So, I came here, I went to the gym kind of socially, you know, in the early 20s. And then my doctor one day was like, Monica, you know, at the regular checkup, Monica, you gain weight, be careful. And I never cared about my weight. I never cared about any of that. I went to the gym kind of socially, that's, you know, to meet people and to have some activity. And so I was disappointed, but I'm the kind of person who is like, All right, well, clearly what I'm doing is not working. Let me get. So I went to the gym, I asked for a female trainer and they told me they didn't have any. That was Jersey Shore days, um, back, you know, tan gym, laundry, tattoos, chains, very intimidating for a young female who was foreign. Um, But I was like, well, you know, I'll hire one of these guys for three months. Let's see what I'll learn. And I didn't learn much um but again I was like well I didn't learn much here so let me go elsewhere and I found a school in Boston where I went in person and I learned um for six months nobody knew that I was doing it on Saturday Sundays I was going every single weekend we were training each other we were being taught how to be with clients and learning all the things and so um three months of not very effective Coaching relationship with my first trainer got me to just get so interested, and I saw this need for women. You know, now we can go online and hire ourselves whoever you want. You know, uh, performance. uh, You know, if you want to compete, if you want to compete in bodybuilding, if you want to compete in CrossFit, you want to do bar, Pilates, yoga. You can hire yourself coach in five minutes. Back then, it was not popular. It was before Instagram. There were really the shortage for when it came to help for women it was a huge gap. It was a huge need. And so I was like, let me be that. And so I started working at the gym where I was being trained and that was easy. But again, I was like, I I don't like this sexist environment. I really want to help women. Let me find a place where I can actually help women. So I went and I worked for all women's gym for seven years. And that was awesome, except I was not special anymore because now I was amongst 20 other female trainers. So suddenly it became like, oh, what's your niche? And I was like, I have no idea back then it wasn't even called a niche it was just what's your specialty monica and I was like I don't know I'm the female trainer and so I saw this two things that and you you relate well I will will ask you how you got into your competition I would love to know the competition journey but for me there were two things I realized that one, in this all women's environment, this, maybe that was the body positivity back then. um, But what was happening is people were kind of comforting each other in their discomfort. So they would be like, you know, oh, don't worry about the fact that you gained a couple pounds, Monica, you started this job, you started commuting, or, you know, working long hours, eating cookies on your way back home from the gym. And I realized that, I'm starting to gain weight and I'm supposed to be this role model for my clients and what's happening. So that was one, like this environment of of like, it's it's okay. It's not, you know, bare minimum for yourself. You're helping others. So yourself, you can put on the back burner. And then two, you know, I wanted to have my own goal. So I wanted to one, be the role model for my clients and two, be the, you know, someone who's actually like, feeling good with herself. So I, that's how I got into competing. But also I was like, this is going to be great for marketing because now I will be my walking testimonial. And that literally is what happened. It was so nice. It was such a smart thing to do. I would say, I wouldn't recommend it to someone who, you know, just wants to have this for marketing, but to learn To create clientele who was interested in that kind of hardcore push training, and then to also have your own goals and not kind of lose yourself in the service of others, that was such a good thing. So then for five years, I competed as I was training there. but you know, after some some time, it just, everything gets boring. So <laughs> the competing, you know, I'm sure you can relate as we talked a little earlier about the awards that we both have in our uh, video here. Um, on one end, it's not very fulfilling. You can have the best body. You can have your abs. You can walk around in a tiny bikini on stage, but that alone is not going to give you super duper fulfillment. And then two, I realized the clients were struggling with more than just their bodies. A lot of times it was the personal development mindset thing. So I was like, okay, I need to go and pursue more of that and learn more here versus hire a different competition coach. Because after three, after five years competing and three different coaches, I was like, I've learned plenty. I can use it. Knowing what I knew as a trainer before, I was like, this is enough. I need more of the mentality, mindset, all that in order to effectively help them. And then you also realize that being super duper in shape takes a lot of time, attention, and energy. And you cannot really serve people the best when you're training three hours a day and eating. 1200 calories. Yes. Uh, to all of that, that, I mean, definitely the, the, the fitness and I,
0: oh my gosh, like your story is just, it, it's incredible because it's like, you just literally from an idea to here, you are, to here, you are, to here, you are, to here, you are and doing the whole fitness competition. I mean, I could definitely relate to, to so much of what you said, because, you know, I kind of got started around the same time as well. That was a uh, two thousand. 2010? Yeah, around the same time. So like, I feel like I always struggle with like trying to like myself in the body that I was in. And I would always be so intimidated by all these men at the gyms. And, um, you know, I was a dabbler of gyms. I would go and, you know, try to find the fun that people kept talking about. The fun was at the gym and I'm thinking, I I don't know where that is. So, you know, I keep going. I'm like, looking in the back corner. It's not there. It's not on the treadmill. It's not in the where all The beefy men are. And I just felt so intimidated. And I, I didn't have a place that I felt like I belonged as well. And so Definitely can relate to feeling that gym intimidation and women not having enough of the, of other women like us that are looking for those role models, looking to feel like, okay, I don't want a man, you know, helping me out because I want to feel like I can be supported by the female, uh, energy aspect of it. And so that was in 2010, I had a big loss in my family and, um, it just sent me spiraling out of control. And I found myself really at like the, the rock bottom. I was just like, you know, after this devastating loss and then, you know, realizing like that, you know, when, when you, when you have lost it, puts a, a different perspective on life. And so I started asking myself, like, what am I doing? What am I living for? Like this isn't life. I'm miserable in this body. I've I fought against it my whole life. You know, I used and abused it in that of, of myself because of eating disorders and warped perspective of, of how I perceive myself to body dysmorphia, um, all of that stuff. I mean, I was the harshest person on my own body. And so when I was like, I'm looking to the gym to better that. And yet, I'm not being met. My needs aren't being met because it was so male dominated. Um, and then in 2010 is when I actually joined a gym because a group of my girlfriends actually said, Hey, we're thinking of going to this gym. Do you want to check it out? And so had it not been an invite from other women, I don't know where that story would lead me today. So having that camaraderie of of women is so essential in in all of this. I mean, I think women, we truly need each other and Mm -hmm. and we have to be like open to receiving those invitations and you don't know who's going to invite you to do what. And so that kind of sparked me to be more consistent in the gym because for the first time I found fun. And it was because I was with friends and we were doing activities and laughing. And, uh, you know, I ended up hiring a, a personal trainer at the gym at that time. And I was just like, Hey, this is something I never you know, did in my fitness, uh, journey was hire a personal trainer and actually have a goal. And so that goal became my very first competition in 2011 is when I, when I committed and then I competed in 2012 as my first show. So that's awesome. Yeah. It was so neat. Like you said, you know, having that, that, that sisterhood, that women to women. Yeah. Yeah, I think if anyone's listening, I think we've all experienced some aspect of gym intimidation, like beefy guys and like, Hey, what are you doing here? Like, "Uh, can you just point me to the treadmill? I'll just stay out of your way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And you know what you said that I love is and, and we forget, I think about it is like the invitation, right? So even if you want to do something and you don't have someone, you can always invite them. You know, you can invite someone to go and go hiking with you or go fishing, not fishing, kayaking. I don't know. We have a lot of rivers in Connecticut, tubing, kayaking, whatever it is that you want to do. You can always invite others because maybe they're thinking the same and no one is just making the first step to do it.
0: Yeah. And it's, and that's, that's really true. I mean, in a lot of things in life, it's uh sometimes we, we don't ask for what we want and we are just like, we want it, but yet we're free to go after it or do it alone or just feel like, okay, well, you know, I want to, I want to enjoy the livelihood of it. And I want to share that experience. So, you know, just having that invite and just having that companion to go do the things it's so important. And, um, I think it's, uh, if you're on either the the giving of the invitation or the receiving of the invitation, it's so important to be mindful of that because as a, as a giver, you want to, you know, make sure that person has a really great experience because you're sharing what you have with that intention to leave a mark and hopefully they continue that, you know, down that journey. But also as the receiver, it's also important to be like, wow, that was, that felt so good to one be included and then look at the fun that I had. And so now you create an experience that you want to repeat on in your mind
1: right and like you never know you can allow someone to say I was actually just talking to a client before and she's like you know kind of sharing how her group of friends she noticed through our work one-on-one together she's like you know they don't really have many goals and they are kind of you know comfortable with what they're doing not fitness not life not work not travel and I said well you can start your own thing you love hiking how about you start like a club you can show up as a leader and you can pull people with you come up you know with your own theme if the drinking theme on the weekend isn't fulfilling for you cool like you can tell them hey i'm doing this new thing do you want to join me who's the new person so maybe they can show up as a leader through creating something that sparks joy for them and makes them excited were you the only one who competed from your group friends or the or was it like a group effort
0: so it was um it was myself so i was i was working out at the time it was probably i think four maybe four girls um and I had another friend who was, who asked me to compete, but she was training at a whole different gym. And so we just, Mm. you know, this, this should be fun, but it wasn't fun in the training aspect because you want to do it with somebody. And so I actually brought it up to one of the other, um, females that were in our, in our small group. And she's like, yeah, sure. I mean, I got nothing going on that weekend anyway, it's like, you know, four or five months out. And so, um, just because we were consistently training together, we, you know, did this together and it was more fun because We we had these, like, we almost played like, like scenarios of how it would pan out, what we're going to do, how, how this is going to go down. And it created this excitement because I mean, as, as a competitor, I mean, it's not always fun. There's a no, lot of, not. it's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of, uh, you know, strife and struggle. And there's some things that you do have to give up, but there's so much to, to gain in this. And I feel like Um, but I didn't, I feel like I didn't learn that lesson, the gaining aspect of it until my second round of when I competed in 2015. So, um, in 2012, when I competed, it was great until the day of, and then it was just like horrific, like everything, because I had, you know, I was competing with somebody and it was fun. And, um, but it was the aftermath, which was just terrible. And I I think that nobody Nobody mentally prepares you for the aftermath of what it's like, and especially going into a competition, already having a warped perspective of your, of your physical body to, um, having eating disorders and uh, very low self self-image and self-esteem. So when I exited out of that competition, it just set me back tremendously, like, like probably the worst I've ever been. Mm.
1: Um,
0: and it was just a really bad backfire for a plan that was supposed to go amazing and I was supposed to have this amazing beautiful perfect body that I'd been longing for my whole life that I was doing everything to use and abuse it to fit that mold of perfection and it just um didn't
1: pan out you know I think it's very um people don't understand the, the competition concept because they think it's so hard. But actually, just like you acknowledge, the hard comes after. It's very easy to compete. Yeah. Anyone could do it. They might think they, they can't. You have a diet, very clear what, how. You have um, a deadline, very clear when the deadline is. Your people know about it, your friends, your family, everyone knows. So your gym even members who train alongside, they know. So you have this tunnel vision and this focus and it's easy to do it it's when the lights go down and it starts on the as you know on the day of the competition if, if that when the light go, lights go down and you go home with the award and you're like i'm just gonna have this burger with this person and i'm gonna have this cake with this person and i'm gonna have and you wake up a month later 20 pounds or 30 pounds heavier feeling worse you've ever felt in your life mentally physically emotionally people are looking like what the heck happened to you yeah and you're like feeling like a failure. And I feel like this is why people just go back and forth and compete, you know, time after time after time. And then I actually just talked about it with my friend because she was like, Monica, that's so crazy that you did this. And I was like, actually, the crazy thing is not the competing. The crazy thing came after the last competition where I first blew up, like every most people will do. And then to find your normal, to find like, what are the foods you want to eat? What are the things you want to do? How do you actually want to train? Do you want to do cardio? Or do you not want to do cardio for for fun? Um how often do you want to go to the gym? What do you want to do? And like what's your normal weight or size? To, to find yourself afterwards, that is the hard thing. To compete is very easy. A lot of times I feel like people do it out of distraction, to not pay attention to other things in their lives and to just, you know, focus, tunnel focused vision on one thing. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it for what it taught me, all the bodybuilding lessons, the food, nutrition, men- mental toughness. But at the same time, I'm the last person who would recommend to a client or anyone I know that they should go and do it um, because it's kind of like, what are you trying to accomplish here?
0: Yeah, I say the same thing because it's like, you know, if I can talk to my former self and I've had that when people are like, oh, my gosh, I want to compete, too. I'm like, just tell me why. Yeah. And, and, and I always ask them their why. And if their why it was, is just, oh, I hate this body or, uh, you know, I, I work out so hard and I'm not getting the results. And it's like, no, that that's not the why. Um, you know, and I think ultimately the why for, for me, the first time around was to, to, um, finally fix that relationship between fit, fitness diet and myself. And it didn't work. Because I, I was, I was just so, so far gone from like that, that space. I mean, I was not in a healed space. Right. So here I am trying to um, overdo the exercise and diet to compensate for for not being to where I'm at at that time and then when I came back in 15 it was for a whole different reason it was just to like be so proud of myself that I reclaimed my life I I stood on stage I mean the the stage shots from 2012 to 15 are night and day I mean you can even look at me on stage in 2012 and I'm like I don't belong there I don't even look ready I'm scared I'm just it's terrible so don't ever google these pictures (laughs) and then at 15 there's kind of like this it almost looks like oddly enough, kind of like a smug shot because you know how they're looking up with the camera from the stage and they got this picture and my head is held so high because I was so proud, so proud of the woman I became through that journey that it didn't even matter what my body actually looked like. I, and it was just, me owning myself and the confidence that I felt to reclaiming that power to having a healthy relationship with fitness, food, and, and myself. And it's like, wow, if I could do this, then what can't I do? And that became the, the pivotal moment of just feeling so unstoppable. Like this is what life is about, going after what you want, working hard for it, you know, not having it to make sacrifices, but it was about more of including more in your life at those different stages that you're in. And so competing, um, I mean, competing really did open my eyes to so much. And so it healed so much too. And it gave me a whole different perspective. And now it's like, you know, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't diet. And I don't, I don't do anything other than just live life. And it became this lifestyle now. So when you talk about like finding your, your normal for you and, you know, and that's that I found the normal for me. I somehow always revert back to a default weight. I typically eat the same foods. I typically work out the same, like I love the routine that I have. And if I don't, you just mix it up. So you, you know how it is. It's like you
1: adjust to whatever, you know, kind of floats your boat at that different season in your life. I love it. I love it. Cause I feel like it's so common that people, women have a hard time finding that norm that, that, you know, what is it that I am after competing? Cause they so see themselves through like, this is the body and I can't replicate it right now. And so it goes, you know, always reverting to like, I was this once and I'm now here, but one day I'll return to that. And it's like, no, 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 you can be just fine right here, right now. So love that.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I think that kind of hit me on my first, um, first competition as well. After, after my competition, I had, uh, some, I mean, I blew up, I I gained so much weight right away. Um, not to mention I had a severe injury that I was ignoring because I was so focused on this competition that I was just like debilitated. Like I couldn't do the things. And then I had somebody commented, they looked at me and they're like, wait a minute. I thought you were like a bikini competitor. And I was just like, so insulted, but yeah, they they didn't mean it in that way. They were like actually trying to mean like, But you can do it because you're a bikini competitor. But how I perceive myself, it was insulting because it was just like, yeah, I don't look the same. I don't look strong. I don't look like the the identity of a bikini competitor that I was just, you know, a few several short weeks ago. And it just really dinged on that value of Mm self-worth of myself, like, then who am I? And so that, I mean, you know, people don't necessarily mean, like, have ill intention, but you have to be in that mindset to receive what their intended
1: meaning was. Right. And, you know, for me, too, when we speak about mindset, I realized that You can be in your best body, right? You can have abs. I think this is something that I got like with the last competition and doing figure and being so, so, so lean where, you know, my clothes were falling off me, my leggings, everything. But then you put the bikini on and you're like, I still have fat here, I still have fat there. So that was that where I was like, it doesn't matter if I'm 150 pounds, if I'm 130 pounds or 170 pounds, I'm still me. My knowledge doesn't change. My care for people or what I do doesn't change. So it doesn't matter in what body I live, smaller, bigger, ripped, not ripped. It's still me. So that's one. But the two, what I realized that I wanted to stop competing is that um, my clients and the people, because back then I worked at the corporate gym. um, It was just such a messed up... you know, I was received in a messed up way. People would come up to me where I looked really like I looked sick. You know, when you get so, so lean, your body percentage goes towards teens and you're, you know, your face is so skinny. Like you, yeah. you know, I always felt like my nose looked so huge and I would not leave the house without full face of makeup. Cause I was like, I look like a ghost. Cause so, so lean. I, I didn't like it. It was just for the stage. It wasn't like, Oh, I want to stay here. And members of the gym, women would be like, you look so amazing, Monica. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, I would never want to look like this for life. And I was like, you think this is amazing. And then clients being like, oh, Monica, are you s- sad that you're gaining weight after? And it's like, do you understand what it takes to be this way? Do you understand that I cannot even have milk in my coffee and I cannot chew gum and I have to do two hours of cardio every day to be this way? Cause my body naturally just wants to be chunkier and, and they just were not getting it. And I was like, I don't want to promote this for clients. It was really, um, When I left Boston and then moved from Boston to Connecticut and I had a, so I quit that job, worked with many people online anyways, but I moved and I worked for a um, little gym. Well, it's not a little gym, but it was for elderly. It literally was working with elderly. So I went from being the competitor, teach, you know, coaching the most fit chicks in Brookline, Massachusetts, to then moving to New Haven thinking this Yale is going to be similar to Boston. It was not, but, um, you know, because of the location. But I was working with elderly for a year. And it was cool to see that the training method that I developed worked well with 70 and 80 year olds. But it was also cool to kind of like work on my own self and be like, okay, what do I want to be? How do I want to train? For these 70-year-old ladies, they were like, Oh my God, Monica, you're amazing because I had good posture. Because they were like, You're so straight, you're so amazing. And I was like, Well, thank you. That's you know, from training. But you know, for them, it didn't matter if I was lean or not lean. And so it allowed me to kind of look like, where do I want to be? And so when I opened my studio, I was like, all right, this is me. This is how I train. This is what I do. And this is what we're going to do together. And so I needed this like year, almost like a break working with elderly when I was like, all right, the competitor is dead. What are we doing here? We need to recreate it. And then when I closed. So that was working with elderly. I had the studio for three years and it was local here in Connecticut. So obviously people from Boston, from my old uh, relationships were not working with me because I mean, online, but not seeing me. And when Corona started and I started doing Zoom sessions and seeing people on Zoom, um, many of my former clients returned wanting to train on video, wanting to have sessions face-to-face again with the old approach of like, I'm going to do two hours a day. I'm going to do our cardio and I'm going to eat this meal plan. And I was like, no, that's not how we're playing and a lot of them were like whoa what are you talking about monica and i was like no this old way of doing things the way we did it when i did npc is not happening right now this is not this is not long term this was a solution we had in 20 you know 12 where we were in our 20s we had the time we didn't have businesses we didn't have families we didn't have jobs careers we were just you know fresh out of, the, of college for me that was just being a new trainer we're not doing things this way we need to look at the big picture you want to have kids one day you want to be lost healthy forever you don't want to rack your hips and knees and joints let's do it the smart way and a lot of them were like whoa what the heck it took some time to kind of transition that into like, okay, let's do it holistically. Let's include mindfulness. Let's include you actually looking at other areas of your life that maybe are not working and you're wanting to do three hours of training because you really don't like your husband. So let's address the things that that will make your life better as a whole, not just those things that would give you better abs, because I stood there on the stage with those great abs and I would think to myself, Oh, that's it. Now what's next? It was not fulfilling. Those, I remember standing on stage and being like, "Okay, well, now what? This is, you know, I look great, but I don't feel so great, and the tin is stinky, and I don't want to be here." So, yeah. so you know, so I realized through this adventure, where you know, of competing and coaching women, that like it's. As coaches, we have to be very responsible of what we're putting out there because our people will follow and listen, sometimes blindly even, because if they trust you and you have a relationship with them, so you have to be responsible because, you know, they will follow the three hours of training if you tell them to do so. And is this the best for them? Not so much. Right. And it's like you said, I mean, you're, you become that role
0: model. So if you're in that in the field. And people are looking up to you and they're, they're like, but that's the goal. And I think, you know, as as women, because there's so much of that additional pressure put on us is that we have to look a certain way. And so when we see that, you know, woman who has it all, we think, okay, if she could do it, then I could do it. I'm going to go work with her and I'm going to get the same results as her. And it's like, when you're in that situation, it almost becomes like this cry for help and it's because you have such a disconnect with your body that you're longing for somebody else's, but it's about building back that healthy relationship so that you can lovingly care for your body for all the right reasons. And so I, that's why I kind of say what, you know, with like fitness and, and nutrition, um, as a whole, instead of versus diet, because dieting, or if you look at, I'm kind of a word nerd. And so I, you know, looking up the word diet, it just means the food and beverages that you consume, but nutrition is, is having the values, the nutritional properties of those uh, of the foods and beverages you consume. So when we look at it from that as a long haul, that's what we're aiming for, right? Don't we want to feed our body with, you know, whole nutrient dense, real foods well you know, while also still dabbling and enjoying, you know, life's fun things like treats and wine and girls nights and birthdays and all the things, right. But it's about getting an overview of your lifestyle. Like, if that's how you're living, you know, 80% of the time going to parties and happy hours while you're, a, you know, a byproduct of that 80% of that lifestyle. So it's a kind of just finding that, that I wouldn't say balance and moderation is a one size fits all, but you have to find what works for you right. and knowing what your normal is and where you are comfortable and where you can feel confident
1: in the skin you're in. Right. And I, I think the, the nail on the head is what you said with the diet, right? I, I also don't use the word diet just because it's just people have it that they're going to be put on the diet, right? It's just your food, your nutrition, and that's it. And I don't, I don't give people diets. I don't promote diets. It's always like, let's slow you. Cause it's, it, I think people have it backwards through that industry where it's like, okay, give me the diet so I can get fast results so that I can have big progress. So I can see, you know, before and afters. And it's like, no, let's slow it down. Let's just take it to the basics. Let's think, what is it? literally the session that I had with the client before we get on, I was like, what is it that goes because she was upset with herself. She trains really hard. She's doing all the things. And she's like, you know, well, not hard, but you know, she shows up for herself when it comes to training. And so, cause I also don't believe that you have to be killing yourself to have results when it comes to training either. But she was like, you know, on the weekends come and it's like, okay, I have a glass of wine. I only say I'm going to have one, but then on the third one, I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, what's going through your head when you're allowing yourself to have the first, second, third, fourth, and those things? She's like, I don't keep promises to others. I keep promises to myself. And I'm like, well, let's slow it down. Let's pay attention to what is it that you're, how are you justifying this? How are you doing, um, you know, the, the talk in your head? What is it? Is it just one or I'm working so hard? Because next time, it's not that I'm going to be calling you and slapping you on the head. No, but next time when that talk shows up, you'll be aware. Oh, There she is again, trying to have me have another glass of wine or third or fourth or cookies where I said, I wouldn't like you slowing down. It's not about like, I have a competition. I have a coach who's going to yell at me, or I have to log everything in my fitness pile because that's short lived. The moment the competition passes, the coaching relationship ends, or you're not logging my fitness pile. You're not, it's not there. The the structure for you to be successful is not there. So your head will stay. Let's master you. And you're thinking, so you can get there without any external, like someone slapping you on the hand where you're doing something bad, which is not bad anyway.
0: Yeah. And I, and I hate that we have to slap labels on things, good or bad, healthy, healthy and, and, um, you know, dirty, clean, all, you know, fat-free, sugar-free, like all the free, 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 free things that are just like, okay, you know, and they could be so, so misleading and overwhelming too, because you're thinking, oh, okay, well, if it, if everything now is like fat free and sugar free and and carb free and calorie free or something, I don't even know, everything is just like free of something. But then it's like, what are you supposed to eat? Because mm. you know, if you're told you can't have protein, uh, you know, all the myths are like protein Twitter, your kidneys, right? Kidneys, it's not good for your body. Your carbs make you fat, fat right? You fat, and it's like, then what is left? Because if you understand nutrition, those are your macronutrients. That's what makes up your calories. So if you remove those, then you have zero calories, like it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember being the earlier stage of my life where I was talking about going to the gym and, you know, hanging out with some girlfriends. And I remember uh, that invite from my girlfriends, they invited me to go to this pool at one of the local gyms that had a had an outdoor pool, and we stopped at um, one of the food stores that sells Whole Foods. And I was thinking, great, so this is right up my alley because I'm going to get all the you know all the the good foods that I'm going to need so I could feel my best. And I was so overwhelmed by the selection because I'm in this store that sells you know whole nutrient dense foods. I'm in the aisles. And I'm bombarded by the labels and the brands and all the things. And I was just like, I don't even know what to get. I mean, I just had poor eating habits anyway. And so I remember grabbing a bag of like gluten-free, whole grain, sugar-free chocolate chip cookies and, or something like that. And I mean, they had all the things on it, but I was like, okay, gluten-free, that's good. I'm not going to get like You know, blow up. I'm not going to have the sugar from the chocolate chips. It's whole grain, so it's good for me. And I'm over here just so proudly, you know, grabbing my bag of snacks. And I was going up to the register and I see all my girlfriends like getting veggie and hummus trays or stuff. And I'm thinking, that's boring too. But I didn't understand any of this stuff. And so we go to the pool and I remember sitting there just chewing on my cookie and I'm watching all the crumbs just like fall down my sweaty body and collecting like the suntan oil. And I'm thinking, I am so far gone. Like, I don't even understand food to this capacity, but I'm eating the things that don't make me feel good. I'm, Mm. I'm I'm disgusted by how internally I perceive myself. And it was just this really like, low period of my time, because it was just like, I need to do something different. And I cannot continue on this path, doing what I'm doing, because it's not working. And that, you know, really opened my eyes to, I have an, I have a, you know, a, a warp, Relationship with food. And that was brought on by years of eating disorders to now exacerbated to disordered eating. And I didn't even know what to eat then at that point. And I was so afraid to eat because I didn't know what to eat.
1: What to eat? Mm. How did you deal with it? Did you hire help? Did you go like to educate yourself? What did you do?
0: Well, so this was right before I started competing. So I figured Mm. if I go compete, they're going to tell me what to eat. Mm. If I eat the same, you know, six, sad things that are all of God's glory of food. These were like the worst six things, like chicken, broccoli, rice, six almonds, and yeah. like a can of tuna. Like how miserable is that? And so I thought that, that, that competition would help you. me mm. rid. Yeah. And so anyway, it didn't that, that plan backfired, but it was during that downtime of 2012 to 15 is where I really, you know, cause I couldn't go to the gym and go do the things again. I hired my first uh, fitness coach who mm-hmm. uh, helped me with nutrition, but it's also having a foundation for exercise because I didn't have a blueprint for that more or less. Like I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to get bulky. I didn't want to do all the big things that the guys were doing. I've been a cardio bunny my whole life. And I just wanted somebody to tell me what to do because I was just that exhausted. And so she gave me the um, workout plan, which was great because I just, like you said, you go in, you know exactly what you're doing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, But then it was a lot of the learning curve of understanding food. I had to unlearn all the things that I, th- I believed about food and started tracking. And as annoying as tracking was, I'm so grateful for that lesson. because so it's a short, you know, it's a short learning Yeah, part. And you start realizing that you are a creature of habit. You're eating the same foods. So you just plug and play. You track your measurements, how much the nutrient values in it. and you, It really opens your eyes because people who think like, oh, but I eat clean. I eat a salad and, and you know, I have this and I have that, but it, they don't have an understanding of the full picture of what they're actually
1: consuming. So that oh, for was sure. my mm-hmm.
0: opening for sure.
1: I always you know, say that this is a very good thing to actually track at some point because you learn, you learn what are the things, because we all are different. You see, I didn't have any struggles with food growing up because in Poland, where I was raised, you eat real food. Yeah. So like, you know, even if you have bread, the bread is made out of five things, yeast, flour, water, maybe milk. And that's that the bread goes bad. It's, you know, you have two slices, you're full, you have eggs, you have bread, you have meat, you have vegetables, you have potatoes, but it's all like in the proportions. Like when I moved here, uh, I was like, wow, the candy aisle, what? Like we had all these things, but not the sizes, you know, I remember being in au pair and like you barely make any money. So like we would go to Starbucks and get like the big, or Panera, but I'd get these big, huge, giant, like, chocolate hot chocolate with caramel and whipped cream and then pastry on the side it's like a thousand calories for both if not more you know but i had no clue this is like wow in america we eat and then after six months i'm like oh my polish clothes are a little too tight what am i doing wrong and it's like you know i went from eating real food to then being and i remember for years saying like you know, when I was a nanny and I wasn't really responsible for like my food, as in like the, the families would buy the food for the family. So I ate what they ate. Um, I remember when people would ask me, my European friends and Polish friends, what's the difference? And I would always say, like, it's so hard to eat well here. It's so hard. And, you know, it's not hard, but yes, you have to make an effort because you can stop at any gas station and get yourself a bar or get yourself, you know, cookies or get yourself Donuts from Dunkin' Donuts, but it's not easy to stop and get a salad. Like you actually have to go and figure it out. All right, well, diners will serve you something like this. Or, you know, you can go to special places to to, to places with buffets, you know, grocery stores where you can actually get healthy food. But when you are just like convenience wise, it's not really right there for you. So like even though I prefer these foods, like the lifestyle and the way things are organized here first also like hit me where i was like oh like i didn't have to worry about my pants being too tight in poland ever um even though i was not into fitness and here i am exercising and i'm gaining weight what's going on and so i feel like the culture is a little different um and also the fact that a lot of things revolve around food let's get together for coffee let's get together for um drinks let's get together for lunch for dinner It's you have to make effort, like I said to my client before we we got on. You know, make your own hiking club instead of drinking with your friends on the weekend. Like you like hiking, take the people who want to go. If they don't want to go, involve other people from our community, from other people from other places. Where you are responsible for what you're doing, not just going by autopilot. All right, everyone is doing drinking party again. Let's eat poorly, you know, processed, highly processed food, poor quality food, and drink because that's what everyone does. Like you know you can take responsibility and educate yourself you can take responsibility and and create new habits or new places where you go where you know you can have healthy things but you have to you know you have to take responsibility it's not easy it's it's harder i feel like that in many other countries and cultures um, because we're so busy here we're running around we're working a lot we don't got, we have no not much vacation here so all the things you know we're just pushed more, I feel like. So therefore, the health and and well being kind of goes on the second on the back burner,
0: right? And I think it's because we we live such a fast paced life here in the states. Everything is fast, 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 fast. So you know, from what we eat to think to do to to sleep. I mean, we even shorten our sleep because there's we try to cram everything into the short you know twenty four hour period. But you know, in reality, twenty four hours is enough for us to to live. Work and and enjoy life, but we just work. It's just the head down and just grind, grind, grind kind of uh, mentality where everything is just easily and accessible because we're like, oh, we pop our heads up like, yeah, we haven't eaten like all day. You just grab something on demand and. And there it is. And sometimes we just blindly gorge ourselves because we're starving at this point, and we overeat or we undereat, and that's where we miscalculate too because we think, "Well, I'm only eating once a day." Well, that could also right. be a problem because you're actually undereating, or your food choices are not conducive for you know the the goals of your
1: physical health and well being that you that you are looking to achieve.
0: Right? So, yeah, no,
1: I, I so agree. I just came back from Poland. I was there for over two weeks. Uh, and, you know, it's funny because there's no culture of getting food and walking with it. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as you're like grabbing coffee and walking with coffee and donuts or, or just even coffee, you know, like you're grabbing Starbucks, like, you know, it's walking. You either can sit down at a cafe and have your coffee or you can sit and have a meal, but there's no such thing as drive throughs left and right. So, um, when I got coffee and I, would, I was like, I'll oh, just take it uh, you know and I'll take a walk with the coffee. My brother was like, "What are you talking? Like what? Wait, what are you gonna do? You gonna walk with the coffee cup outside?" I was like, yeah, this a normal thing, right? I have <laughs> this is a normal thing. No, this is all melted now. But um, you know it, it's different. And again, like you're saying it's we can, but it takes a little bit more effort on our end to just turn on that mindfulness and be like, all right, do I not have time to eat healthy or do I prioritize scrolling on TikTok and therefore I don't have or watching Netflix at night instead of preparing my lunch for tomorrow so that I can actually eat healthy and get the fitness goals or look, or just feel good like forget fitness goals feel good it's right. it's In- not it's hard to live when you're not I always talk about it as dead food like if you're eating dead food you're going to feel dead you're not going to feel like you have energy look at the plate of someone who's having you know, lettuce, tomatoes, mushrooms, onions. This looks like this is life. This is colorful. This is full of life. You're going to eat this. You're going to feel like this. If you eat the pretzels and, a you know, I don't know, fried stuff, that's all brown and dead. If there was any value in it, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> don't eat it. And, and it's good for you
0: know it treats occasionally you know here and there but when it becomes that every day then yeah that's something that you have to say wow no wonder you know they they say like you are what you eat well
1: for sure it, it no really- I'm also you know again fun is fun for sure mm-hmm. but it's also like paying attention to what our bodies like and what they don't like like you know I can totally have a glass of wine but if I have two I'll feel it the next day I just will feel it that that's just what it is and and I don't have to make my like stop myself because I know so like. I don't want to pay the consequences the next day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I can agree on that. I mean, I was just like, I think the older we get to and you're like, ooh, that was maybe one glass too many. I know, <laughs> I we know. We can't that. rebound like we did back in our, our 20s, I guess. Well, you know, that was it's, all the fun time,
1: but. It's the same, you know, it's sleeping, I feel like, and just like recovery in general, you know, in the 20s, you can bang out three sessions in the gym in a day and you're like, yes, I'm competing, this is great. And, you know, Now in the thirties, late late thirties and clients who are in their forties, it's like one session a day, 45 minutes, make sure you get massage, your acupuncture, your, you know, Reiki and your deep tissue and you go floating because you need to recover, which, I mean, I love it. I love that we, I feel like with age, we also, because we know ourselves better, we spend more time, attention and money on treating ourselves. And that's good.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Oh my goodness, so many good things that we just talked about. Because it's so—I uh, don't know. I mean, these are the kind of conversations I needed for me back then, like around that time as well. And so maybe I'm like, oh. Yeah. So I don't have to like just eat celery in my tears because this is what life is because I don't know what to eat. But it's, you know, and I think you and I kind of both got started around the same time with that core mission that there needed to be other women like us to be role models for the younger versions of us back then. Um, And it was just, you know, I, I love meeting women who, who have that mentality that it's just like, if I needed it, let me be that answer for somebody else, because there's always somebody that's coming up behind you who is just looking for that. Um, and of course, you know, you, you have done this work for, I mean, gosh, 14 years with your clients. Um, so how can our listeners learn more about you find out more about your BBM, uh, programs and platforms and all the things. So just let's get, give us the goods.
1: Everywhere you'll find me under the same name, Monica, with K-A-Mazur. So whether my podcast, because I have one too, when I go quickly by myself. (laughs) So I'm thankful for being here together. Um, So podcast, Monica-A-Mazur, podcast. And Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Pinterest. So just Monica with K and then A, and then the rest is going to show up. So, um, yeah, my goal is to, you know, empower women to live the lives of their dreams, however it looks like for them, not necessarily through fitness. Lots of it is through self awareness. So sometimes on my podcast, I joke that I tickle your pickle, as in trigger you a little bit. So you can get, you know, thinking like, oh, what is it that I'm doing that's not working for me? And so, like, the whole idea for me is to, just little chunks digestible so you can little by little adjust your life so that you can increase your awareness so you can ask for more you can get more you can have more peace of mind doing all of it and that's like my whole life mission but I'm so glad we touched on the competing because I feel like I haven't talked about this on my podcast I haven't talked about this at all with my people for a very long time because it's it's not relevant to what we're doing right now all that much but yet it's such a Foundation for you and I, this is, this is big. This is something that gave us so much knowledge about ourselves, about food, about training, about helping others. And so like, without it, we wouldn't have been who we are right now. So I'm so glad we covered that today. I am too. And I don't think that even of all the episodes we've
0: had, I don't think we've actually talked about it in depth as much as we have today. Um, Because we covered so many different facets from, you know, getting started to the pitfalls of it, to the rewards of it, to the longevity of creating a healthy and balanced lifestyle around it, to now coming full circle, giving back to others who may or may not be on the fence of, of competing but on a, you know looking for a, a better quality of life. And you know we we say like health and fitness is uh, you know our top values. I mean if we're not at our best we can't serve the rest and if, if we come from a place of service, we need to make sure that this this vessel that we live in is being fueled and nourished with you know proper uh, care and love and food and, and all the things that really equip us to live a life of, of purpose and passion, um, and so I'm, I'm grateful that we got a chance to connect here and talk about all these things. And and you know, two women, different lifestyles, and we we both were drawn to the similar uh, you know background with fitness. And I think it's uh, something that that is culturally diverse, where we're you know you you come from Poland and with the same you know expectations that I had here in the 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 rules and the norms of what is you know, worthy and acceptable that made us to turn to competing, I guess, for the wrong thing, which in turn led us to all the right things. So these are lessons that I'm grateful for. And it brought us together here to share our work and our
1: passion with others. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share our episodes with my peeps because it's going to be something that we I haven't covered in a very long time, if at all. So thank you. And I knew we're going to find something that's going to be so relevant to both of us. And to others as well. So thank you. Yes,
0: thank you. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening.